Hello, this is Daniel Davis, and you are listening to the Gospel Project for Adults Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This week we're on Unit 21, Session 2, titled Amazed by the Messiah. Last week, we were in Luke 4, and so we are again this week. In contrasting the rejection of Jesus in his hometown of Nazareth with the events that followed later in Capernaum, Luke purposely drew a comparison between these two narratives. Though the Nazarenes demanded Jesus give them a miraculous sign, he responded with a rebuke, which angered the people so much that they intended to kill him. But after Jesus' miraculous escape, he went to Capernaum, where he provided several displays of his power, a couple of which we will look at in this session. Though we may not always know why Jesus worked one way in one place and worked another way elsewhere, we can trust that he is omniscient, omnipotent, sovereign, and perfectly working out his will to do the will of his Father. Jesus' power over evil and sickness showed people that he is the Messiah, the one who had come to usher in God's kingdom. In point one, we see that Jesus' powerful teaching prompts astonishment. The amazement people experienced when they encountered Jesus was not limited to miraculous displays of power. Even what he taught and the way he taught amazed crowds. In this Luke 4 passage, Jesus was teaching on the Sabbath, as he had in Nazareth, and the audience who heard him was astonished because he was teaching as one with authority. As the commentary on Leader Page 131 points out, it was customary for teachers to regurgitate the teachings of their rabbinic predecessors. But it is clear from the Gospels that Jesus did not base his teaching on the words of previous rabbis. Rather, Jesus, who is himself the Word of God in flesh, proclaimed the Word of God in its truest sense, citing only himself and his Father. He would say things like, You have heard it said, but I say, and Truly, truly, I say to you. He went to the words of the Law, the Prophets, and the Psalms, and spoke authoritatively about their meaning and implications for life, because he, being God, is the supreme author of them. And above everyone else, he has the knowledge and the right to interpret them perfectly. And the people who heard him teach were amazed by what they heard from him. Now, as a teacher for a group of adults, you ought not feel the pressure of trying to amaze your group like Jesus did. Don't phone it in, or approach this responsibility lazily. We teachers ought to be diligent in our study and preparation. But we should also recognize that we very much do stand on the shoulders of those who have come before us. The Holy Spirit inspired all the writers of the Scriptures so that we could read, learn, study, and be shaped by God's Word, and so be equipped by God's Word and Spirit for every good work that the Lord has for us to do. Hopefully, we are all in the boat of having been taught by faithful teachers of the Church in the past and present. And as teachers now, we have the privilege of passing on what we have been taught. But we do not stand merely on the shoulders of others, because every human being except Jesus is fallible. The Word of God, of course, comes to us as faithful and true by virtue of the Spirit's inspiration and preservation of the Scriptures, such that fallible men were able to record the true Word of God for our blessing and benefit. So while I hope we have had faithful teachers, and we all hope to be faithful teachers, we must base our teaching to our group on the Word of God. Even the leader guide you hold in your hand must be measured against the Word of God in your Bible. We, the Gospel Project team, 
make it our aim to be faithful to the scriptures and the narrative and the good news it tells. But don't just take our word for it. We take joy in being able to serve churches and help group leaders teach the word. But we want you to rely supremely upon the word of God because that is where the power of God resides for the salvation and transformation of people. In point two, we see that Jesus' power over unclean spirits fuels amazement. The key doctrine for this session is on demons, and is appropriate for helping to explain to your group what is meant by an unclean demonic spirit in Luke 4.33. In our Western context, it is easy to dismiss or ignore the reality of the spiritual realm, in which operate demons and angels with physical realm consequences. But we believers in the God who is spirit ought to be mindful of that which is spiritual. The first discussion question for this point will help your group wrestle with reasons why we might be prone to ignore the very real spiritual realm, and that to our detriment, lest we succumb to thinking that the physical is all that there is to God's creation. But just as soon as we acknowledge the reality of demons, we also ought to recognize the limitations of their power and influence, limitations set by the all-powerful Creator God Himself. This is why Jesus, the Holy One of God, could rebuke the unclean spirit and cast it out of the man with mere words. And it strikes me as a reason for appropriate fear and trembling that Jesus' command to the demon was met with immediate, albeit forced, obedience. And all too often we find ourselves ignoring or refusing the commands of God we find in Scripture. Let us be amazed at the awesome power of God and His Son and Spirit to do the miraculous and free people from the bondage of sin and death. And may we not contribute to the arrogant shock of image bearers rejecting the will of the one in whose image we have been made. In point three, we see that Jesus' proclamation of the gospel reveals his mission. Another miracle Jesus performed was that of healing Simon Peter's mother-in-law from a high fever. And then, this was followed by an untold number of healings and demons being cast out. In Nazareth, Jesus had read from Isaiah 61, and no doubt in Capernaum, Jesus was making good on his declaration of bringing good news to the poor, healing the brokenhearted, proclaiming liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. Yet in this passage in Luke, Jesus makes it clear that he came to do more than just heal people physically from diseases and spiritually from demons in one place. He came to proclaim the good news about the kingdom of God in other towns also, and by extension through his followers to the ends of the earth. Jesus' mission began with the Jews, but it was for all the world as he came to lay down his life to save sinners. The Father sent him for this purpose, and Jesus was obedient to him to the very end. When Jesus approached the man who was possessed by demons, even the demons recognized his authority as the Messiah and the Son of God. Jesus would later demonstrate his authority over sin and evil in a greater way through his crucifixion and resurrection. Through faith in Jesus, sin no longer has power over all who trust in Jesus. Because Jesus has set us free from sin and death, we believers should recognize and embrace his authority over every area of our lives. And then we should proclaim what Jesus has done for us to the ends of the earth, so that sinners from every tribe, tongue, and nation may confess along with us that Jesus is Lord and Messiah, and be saved. 
Thanks for listening to this week's leader training for the Gospel Project for Adults. For more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.